Welcome to the SCORE Music and Sports Podcast, where we talk with some of the greatest names from the stadium and stage about the music and sports that shaped their lives. I'm John Adams. In my years of working in the music and sports arenas, I've experienced firsthand the surprising connections between these two industries. Together, through this podcast, we will explore this crossover relationship. All of our podcasts have an accompanying Spotify playlist that showcases the music we discuss with each of our guests. Search for The Score on Spotify. Today's guest is an Olympian, a leader, and an athlete that is constantly reinventing herself. She has overcome adversity throughout her life, including a snowboarding accident that left her paralyzed from the waist down. Her grit and determination as an athlete took her to incredible heights. She is the first female American to win a gold medal in both the summer and winter games. This five-time para-Olympian has won three gold, two silver, and one bronze Olympic medal. She is also the president of the Women's Sports Foundation. We get to talk with Elena Nichols right after this. When we move, we're better. It's when we stand still that we're in trouble. We believe that having equal opportunity to be active and to play is the way we achieve our full potential. You deserve the chance to use sport to unlock everything you want to be and all you want to do. We start today to change tomorrow so that every girl and woman can realize her power. It's her time, it's our time. All girls, all women, all sports. Visit womensportsfoundation.org to learn more, donate, or shop for a good cause. And welcome back to the SCORE Music and Sports Podcast. I'd like to welcome to the show Olympian and President of the Women's Sports Foundation, Elena Nichols. Elena, how are you? I'm well, excited to be here. So let's start with the budding athlete. How did you get started in sports? You know, I was really lucky to be adopted by my grandparents when I was five and since they had already raised their first set of kids I think sports was kind of a a babysitter for them um, in some ways and I started with t-ball when I was five years old and you know I found myself I found what I loved really early on and I played sports through you know my elementary years and junior high and high school and I was just like that typical Jack, I played three sports basically from five years old to 17. And what three sports were, were those? I played basketball, volleyball, and softball, mostly focused on fast pitch softball towards the end. And when did you start to really have success as an athlete? You know, that's a funny question because <laughs> I, I definitely had to feel like I lost everything before I, I gained any success. So I I was kind of a, I was an average athlete, you know, throughout my junior high and high school years, but I was really hoping to go to college on a softball scholarship when I actually broke my back in a snowboarding accident mm-hmm. and became paralyzed uh, at the age of 17. And so right before sort of the, do- the doors were about to open for me athletically, um, I became paralyzed and it wouldn't happen really for me to be successful until about, I guess it was, I would say eight years after my injury when I found myself in Beijing, China Mm -hmm. and was competing in wheelchair basketball for a gold medal. 
That's incredible that yeah. you didn't don't see yourself as having success up until you're at the Olympics. Like for most, it's it, it's right. it's high school, it's it's college, and here you are saying no. It, it was it was when I was finally at the Olympics. Is that because of expectation that you put on yourself, or do you think that that's because you didn't have the medals or the or, or trophies to to measure that accomplishment? You know, that's really insightful because I was successful well before Beijing. And, um, you know, I found there were days at practice when I was successful. And so, you know, kind of going back a little bit, I mean, I found I was one of the starting five on my basketball teams growing up. I was always in the top one or two with my running speed, you know. So Mm -hmm. those are little successes I could definitely count. Um, and, you know, playing on a traveling team for fast pitch softball is successful too. It was, it was definitely sure. an accomplishment and a lifelong journey for sure for me. Um, and going to college, you know, on a wheelchair basketball scholarship after breaking my back is a huge success. So yes. <laughs> thank you for asking that and pointing <laughs> that out. And yeah, so, you know, when, when we talk about success, oftentimes it is about the medals and the accomplishments, but there's a lot of success happening without the, you know, accolades. As an athlete, were you, did you rely on music as part of your routine in the gym or in preparation for events? You know, not as much as some athletes, but I did. I've always been a fan of music. Who isn't? But, but when it came to competition day, it, it was silence for me. So if I was preparing for a basketball game or an alpine ski race, I needed silence to really hone my skills and prepare for those competitions. But when it came to practice, I did um, really enjoy just having music on because it helps it, uh, you know, it's motivating, but also it kind of helped the work pass a little faster. So if depending on the sport, you know, I'm, I'm just having to kind of grind it out. Music was definitely something I turned to to just pass the time, you know? So at basketball practices, what kind of tracks were you listening to? What would you, what would be on the basketball playlist? So, you know, going into college, I, I've really had fun kind of thinking about these, this podcast because it's so interesting how our music taste changes over time. Um, I did a lot of hip hop in my early basketball career. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Gifts of Gab or some of the underground hip hop uh, stuff. That was really what it's, it's kind of more cerebral than your mainstream rap, but it, it has a good beat and kind of kept things up, upbeat for me. That's great. Um, and kind of gave me a little bit of an edge, you know, when you're listening to music that you feel good about, like you just go out and kind of have a swagger about yourself. Also listening to music that not everybody is listening to, that also kind of gives you an edge because it's like, oh, I know this special thing that you all don't know. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Again, today I'm speaking with Olympian and president of the Women's Sports Foundation, Elena Nichols. You have continued to face adversity head-on through your sports career. There's another obstacle that many athletes face, and that is sexism in sports. 
And you are battling that through your work with women, the Women's Sports Foundation. Yes, absolutely. That's our, our mission is equality and something that we are very passionate about um, creating for young women and girls. So um, as an ally and an advocate, we are hoping, um, thanks to the brilliant leadership of our founder, Billie Jean King, to create more opportunities for our leaders of tomorrow. And we hope that, you know, young girls and women continue to reach their potential in sports because of our foundation. And it's truly an honor to serve as president, um, especially in these challenging times because sports really inspire and young women and girls need this outlet and they need to be encouraged to continue to be active and, and I think as a foundation, we are, you know, in their corner. And I, I think they are feeling uh, supported by us. And it's, it's really a special position to be in right now. Well, I've, I definitely feel that, that every athlete needs an advocate, and especially female athletes. Because for my daughters, they both are athletes. My oldest played soccer and is an avid hiker now that she's in college. My youngest is preparing for her senior year of diving in high school, and she's become a team leader. She is hoping for a scholarship, and I love seeing her and seeing both of them develop this love of sports, but I always saw them as just young people learning a love of sports, not as women specifically, and I I think that that, that division is something that... that that we need to to kind of put blinders on. These are just people who are who are athletes who are who are yeah. finding a love of sports. Yes, that's that's really important to see your daughters that way. What a what an interesting transition for you to see that. But you're exactly right. We're not. It, we dream of a day when it doesn't have to be about women's sports. It's about sports for all. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of our mottos is all women all girls, all sports. And that's something that we hope one day won't have to be something we have to advocate for. So young girls and women should be able to have big dreams like playing in a national football league. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they should be able to play baseball if they want. And, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, but we have come a long way. And one of one thing we focus on a lot is Title IX and, you know, making sure that that is in place and being um, honored in a way that it should so that young girls like your daughters have the same opportunities as young boys. My, I, I did ask my daughter before, before speaking with you if she's had to deal with any sexism at the high school level. And she said that, that the two things that really come up a lot are diving is a girl's sport and you're strong for a girl. That caveat for a girl is incredibly demeaning. Yeah, it is. It is. And it doesn't, it's so rooted in that old mentality, you know, run like a girl, throw like a girl, dive like a girl. And, you know, it doesn't actually need to be said that way or looked at that way. As an athlete, you know, you're, you're great at what you do because you put in the work. And, you know, one thing we talk a lot about at the Women's Sports Foundation is 
equal work equals equal pay. And with equal pay, we talk about equal representation in the media, equal, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and admiration. It's like, how about you look at the athlete and, you know, specifically for me as an athlete with a disability, you know, I get that on another level of you're really good at sports for a person with a disability. Yeah. And it would be a dream of mine one day for somebody to look at what I do with the body that I have and be really, truly impressed by the amount of work that I've done and the talent that I have outside of being disabled. Without a doubt. And we see we see these stories in the news all the time. Right now, the women's so- uh, uh, soccer team is... Uh, is fighting for equal pay. Um, they've had so much more success, and they've they are such a great team, and a, it's a great sport to watch. Yet the men's team is paid so much more. Right, and you know what's great about the women the women's soccer team is the the fame that they've gotten because of their performance is undeniable. And, you know, they, they won their World Cup championship. There's no denying that. The men didn't make it to the World Cup last year, or the last World Cup. Yeah. And so that's really something that you can't deny on paper. So when you, look at, when you look at a performance, the women's soccer team deserves to be paid equally because of their performance. Yes. And, you know, they're battling in court and they're going to continue fighting for it. And I think that victory is going to be even sweeter when it does happen. What was more difficult, overcoming your disability or dealing with sexism in sports? Ooh, that is a great question. It's, it's hard to say exactly because technically I've not overcome my disability in terms of walking again. I don't walk now and I haven't for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, living with my disability continues to be a challenge in the same way that sexism in sports is a challenge. It's about changing people's perspectives. And it's almost like you have to pick your battles because there's days when I go out in the public and people think I can't open the door for myself. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, I won three gold medals. I ski 70 miles per hour down a mountain. (laughs) I am the first female American to win gold in the summer and winter games. But you think I am completely inept at Mm. being human. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's, it's really almost a mental battle at times because I don't feel like I need to educate every person I come across that has the wrong idea of who I am. Mm -hmm. But I think in general, and certainly something that I do on social media is try to help people understand that people with disabilities are, are worthy, are valuable, are hardworking, and sometimes even harder working because we have less of our bodies to function with in sport. And so, you know, I don't know if I answered your question, but (laughs) kind of an everyday challenge with sexism and with living with a disability. And it's something I've kind of really taken pride in coming so far. And, you know, there aren't, that's not to say there aren't days that are really frustrating, but there's certainly been a lot of progress in both, both areas. You definitely answered the question for, so that's, that's for sure. But you're, wildly independent and i don't think a lot of people um 
understand how you keep reinventing yourself. You keep trying new sports. You're, uh, I saw uh, online that, that your latest passion is surfing to go along with the downhill skiing and basketball and volleyball and, and all the other sports that you enjoy. What is it that draws you to surfing now? You know, I think at my core, I just really love to learn new skills and, and I find so much joy and mastery. And the thing about surfing is you will never master that sport because A, the, the ocean is always changing. B, you're the worst swimmer out there considering all of the, the sea life. Mm. And so you're really kind of at a disadvantage and B, I think it's really challenging the social norm of people with disabilities. So when somebody sees me, A, either crawling through the sand to get to the ocean or getting a piggyback and then paddling out through the surf to get to the, to the lineup, I mean, that really makes people think twice about what people with disabilities are capable of doing. And that brings me a ton of joy. I'm like, yeah, that, that happened. <laughs> and then to watch surf and be really good at that too is, is something that I just, I just really love. I think surfing is so special because there's few things that make you like just zone in. And I found that in Alpine skiing as well. You can't think about anything else, but what you're doing. And almost you have to clear your mind in order to do what you are doing successfully. So in alpine skiing, if I'm going 70 miles an hour, I can't think about anything. And Mm -hmm. the same with surfing. If I'm on a wave, I'm just in that zone and I love being in that space. Well, the mindset of an athlete is always a little bit skewed. It's always a little different. It's there's a little more determination there. There's there's a little more focus. There's there's so much to competition that drives the athlete. So mindset with with a disability has got to be about the same attack mode f- for you. You're dealing with the adversity of of the disability, but also the adversity of a sport, and those kind of go hand in hand with you. Right. Yeah, no, you're you're right on with that because really what happens for me and when I did break my back at 17 and, and first tried wheelchair basketball, it was the first time in my life that my disability kind of disappeared. I found myself on the basketball court looking over at the person next to me who's missing legs and I really didn't care how many legs he was missing. I wanted to be faster and I wanted to shoot farther. And, you know, that was, that was a beautiful part of becoming an athlete again is, you know, everybody in the disabled sport world is doing the best they can with the body that they have. And, and, you know, it was like the common denominator, but also it didn't matter. And, um, it sounds insensitive, but that's exactly what I wanted. You know, I didn't want to feel disabled and I didn't, there were other athletes on the court that wanted to beat me too. And so that was kind of, that's great, you know, and, and yeah, there is adversity that comes with being disabled, but I, you know, I truly find joy in, in challenges and my life has definitely been a challenge. So I, I find, I find that it's a really ingenuitive kind of life to live. You have to think differently. You have to adapt and, 
you know, now that I'm a mom, I have a 10 month old child. It's like a whole new world of figuring it out and, and adapting to life as a mom. And I've, you know, there, there are days that I'm like, oh God, this would be so much easier if I could walk. <laughs> but there's also days when I'm like, you know, I'm really proud of, of who I am. And I know my son, when he grows up and he, he realizes his mom has, has done a lot of things without the use of her legs, I think he's going to be really proud. I think that's a beautiful sentiment to be able to be happy with the person that you are not the person that you want to be, or it's great to have those dreams and those aspirations, but to be happy and find joy with the person that you are currently is what I think we can, we all want to strive for. Absolutely. When you are in your free time, when you're at home, what music is, is played around the house now? You know, it's, I've found that my son Gunner really liked reggae. So there's a lot of Bob Marley playing in our house. Um, you know, recently with the passing of John Prine, we really kind of just looped that on, on YouTube, just played all of his greatest hits. Um, and one of my favorite bands, and I've seen them in concert probably over a dozen times is, a band called Lake Street Dive, and the lead singer's name uh, is Rachel Price, and she is phenomenal. She's got pipes for days, and her voice just lifts me up and makes me want to clean the house and just be playful, and um, it's just a great, great feeling when I turn that band on. And do you sing or play any instruments? You know, I played the flute in junior high. I don't currently play the flute, but um, I found that it was not, it didn't come very naturally for me. So I, I was always second chair, I remember, and it was always really a challenge. I grew up with my grandparents, as I mentioned, and my grandma has played the organ in our church for over 65 years. Oh, and that's she's 89 awesome. now, and she still plays, yeah. And so we did grow up with music in our house, but I don't know that I was gifted the talent of that happening for me naturally. Um, but I do sing and it's not great, but <laughs> I sing pretty loud when I do. <laughs> so you grew up going to church with your grandma playing the organ. Were you in church choirs as well? Yes, I was. Uh, we grew up in the Lutheran church and uh, we still to this day, my sisters and I will just belt out some of those hymns. And it's, I love that tradition of, you know, that church that we grew up in. And sometimes me and my sisters will have such a laugh attack, like mid church when you're not supposed to be laughing because our voices are so bad and we can't hit the high notes. And it's just so bad. It's hilarious. Do you enjoy sports in your in your leisure time, like watching sports, or do you, would you rather be just playing sports? You know, I'm more of the latter. I I participate in sports more than I follow them, um, but I I definitely keep track of a lot of different sports. And you know, after I met my partner Roy, I had always thought that NASCAR was not a sport, and I always thought that NASCAR was the most boring thing you could possibly watch. But 
he is one of the biggest fans and his enthusiasm for the sport will just make you want to know more. And the way he explained it to me, actually, I really appreciate NASCAR now for the amount of athleticism it really does require, but also, you know, the pit crew and the crew chief and, and really the, the orchestrated, you know, the, the team that comes together for a NASCAR driver to win a race is really incredible. So um, I have followed that as of lately. I am grateful to be sponsored by Toyota. So, of course, I'm following Martin Truex Jr. and all of our Toyota drivers. Um, That's great. And, you know, I, I follow women's sports really closely as well. Um, and, you know, I like to support the sports that, not a lot of people are watching and definitely keep track of my favorite surfers, um, Lakey Peterson and, and, uh, all of those girls on the world, uh, surfing league tour are really fun to watch. And what is a, a, a women's sport that you think people should pay more attention to and watch a little more closely? Well, I guess I would say surfing. I think it's one of the hardest, most challenging sports and, you know, if you technically watch a surfer and if you actually get out in the ocean yourself and try to surf, you really appreciate what they're doing. And uh, those girls are, are ripping and it's incredible to watch at the, at the highest level. Without a doubt. Elena, thank you so much for your time and coming on with me today. It was really a joy to be able to, to speak with you and, and I wish you all the success in the world. Well, thank you, John. It's it's really been fun to chat with you too, and and uh, I love what you're doing with the score because music is such a core part of who we are, and and something I think at this time in our lives can really help us get through the days. So, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Score Music and Sports Podcast. You can listen to the music mentioned in this podcast by clicking the Spotify link in the description or by searching the Score on Spotify. Please take a moment to leave a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive interviews and playlists, subscribe to the SCORE Music and Sports Podcast now.